0: Welcome to Passion Life Church series that we've entitled Restoration because we believe that God is a God who restores. Does anybody believe that today? He's a God that restores. And he's not only a God of restoration, but um, he's a God of better days. He's a God of brighter days. And I truly believe God is not finished with us yet. I don't believe that our best days are behind us. I believe that our best days are before us. Can I hear a good amen today? And I don't know if you're like me, but I've seen some good days. Anybody seen some good days? But you know what? You have not seen nothing yet. I got one amen on that. You haven't seen nothing yet. Can I hear a good amen today? And so God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And we've been looking at this promise because restoration isn't just a cool word. It's actually a promise that God's given to us. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like for our church family and those watching today for you to understand this promise so you can believe for the promise. You can attach your faith to the promise. And so I'm so thankful that God has given us this promise because how many of you know sometimes we go through life and life has loss? I mean, I don't know how many of you have ever experienced loss, a loss of a loved one or maybe a loss of opportunity. Maybe it's, it's loss of, of hope, you know? And sometimes we experience those losses because of our own decisions. Sometimes we experience those losses because of the decisions of others. But you know what? There are times where the enemy comes in and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy from our lives. And so we can experience loss Just because the enemy wants to come in and do that. But you know what? God has given us a promise. And I'm saying today, I hope you'll latch your faith around it. It's time to get your stuff back. It's time to get your life back. It's time to get your joy back. Come on. It's time to get your hope back today. And God wants to do that for us. Today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 29. And we're going to look at David. David was the one who killed Goliath. He became king of Israel, and uh, he had some devastation in his life. He had some loss in his life, and we're going to look at how he responded to it, and then we're going to look at what God did for David, and so we're going to do some reading today, and so I hope you'll follow along, and, and you'll, you'll, you'll hear with your, your ears and in your heart. First Samuel chapter 29, verse 6 says, Then Achish... Kill, uh, called. Uh, let me let me start that again. Verse Samuel twenty nine, verse six. Then Achish called David and said to him, "Surely as the Lord lives, you have been upright, and you're going out, and and you're going out, and you're coming in with me in the army is good in my sight. For two, let me let me go back. I'm sorry. For two, this day I have not found evil in your." Uh, in you since the day of your coming to me. Nevertheless, the Lord's, now this is little L, so this is not the Lord God, this is the Lords of the land, for the Lords of the land do not favor you. So David is living in a land where some people like him and some people don't. He has some favor with some people, but then there's others that he doesn't. But this young man is telling David, look, as long as I've known you, he says, you've been upright. There's nothing that you have done. I don't see any evil in you. But yet there are still people who mock you. There are still people that don't like you. You say, Pastor Phil, why, why did you read this scripture? Because I think some of us have been in this situation. Where you have been doing the right thing, right? You have you have been living upright. You're doing what's right. You're doing your best. You're working hard, and yet people will still dislike you. You know what? And for some of us, we have been in relationships or you know, we've tried to love some people, honor people, but you know what? They have betrayed you anyway. And guess what, my church family? If that's happened to you, you're in good company because it happened to David, and actually happened to Jesus. And even though it happened to them, listen, they didn't just wallow in self-pity when people mocked them, when people ignored them, when people didn't like them. They just didn't feel sorry for themselves. They didn't allow that to stop them from pushing them to their destiny. To be honest with you, you're never going to please everyone. You just won't. Jesus didn't. Jesus was perfect, sinless, and they put him on the cross. Someone once said if Jesus were to come back to the earth today, perfect, sinless, they would still try to crucify him. He was perfect and still he could not please everyone. There were still people who didn't like him. So you're in good company today. And so we can't allow other people and their wrongdoing to stop us from doing what's right. My pastor says something very profound, are you ready? He says we do what's right because it's right. I'm going to try this side. We do what's right because it's right, right? And we do what's right to honor God, not for man's approval, right? And so doing what's right is always the right thing to do, and that's what David was doing, but he still has some challenges. Look at 1 Samuel 30, chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it. With fire and and had, let me read this again. I'm sorry, the glare here is a little a little tough. Um, I'm going to start again. First Samuel thirty verse one. How many of you give me a little bit of grace this morning? Okay, like two of you. All right, the rest of you are judging me through the law. All right. First Samuel thirty verse one. Now it happened. When David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. So David was off fighting a battle. While he was fighting a battle, he won the battle. But when he came back to the city, he found that it was invaded. He found out that it was burned. He saw it. He saw the smoke. And then he saw that they took the women and children. Actually, they took David's family as well. They they took them. So when the men came back, And they saw this, they they were, they were devastated. Now this is an interesting perspective about David's life because David is at a place called Ziklag. So he was not at Bethlehem where he started and he wasn't at Jerusalem where he would ultimately finish. He was in the middle. Everybody say, in the middle. He was in the middle. He was somewhere in the middle of his journey. Also, he had been anointed king, but he had not been appointed king yet. So he was in the middle of his journey. I just want to encourage you today. I want us to make us aware that this is oftentimes where the enemy really likes to attack us. Because you're not where you used to be, and yet you're not where you are going to be. You're right in the middle. So if he can thwart your life right there, you'll never get to be where God wants you to be. That's why he's coming after you. That's why he's coming after you, because he understands the Word of God. He understands that God has a plan for you. It's a plan for your life. It's a plan that you are to give you hope. He understands that. He watches the transformation. How many of you would say today you're not where you used to be? Let me see your hands. Right? Come on. How many of you say you've lost one pound this year? Come on. You're not where you used to be. How many of you've gained? Never mind. You're not where you used to be. So what he's going to try to do is he's going to start try to stop an attack. And while David was fighting, he actually left the city unprotected. And the Amalekites came in, and then they burnt it down. So David is really, really going through it. He's, he's coming, and he's oppressed. He's depressed. He's having a really bad day. First Samuel 30, verse 4 tells us this. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voice, and they wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever been there? Have you ever cried so much that you can't cry anymore? It hurts to cry. I've been there. Where you suffer so much loss, right? I put in my notes, it hurts so bad that the pain is causing pain. Because it just hurts so bad. I, I've been there. I, I know what that means. Where you just weep and it actually the, the tears hurt. The te- because there's just no more tears. I've been there. This is where David's at. You know, I love these stories because... These are real people. These are not fantasy stories. Their their hurt, their pain was documented for us because how many of you know God knew that there would be days that we would have like this? David was a champion. David was a man, the Bible says, after God's own heart. And I hope this gives you some hope today to understand that even he had those days. He had those days. He, he suffered some loss. And then First Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, it says this. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people were grieved. This means that they became bitter and they had intense hostility to David. Isn't people so interesting? One day they're singing, you know, David has killed his, you know, 10,000s and they're singing this song and they're, they love David. He's a hero. And the next day after this devastation, they want to kill him. They want to stone him. How, how, how fickle can we be sometimes, right? It was the same people who yelled, you know, uh, You know, as Jesus came in and he he was on the donkey coming down for Palm Sunday and they were yelling all these great things. And then, you know, when he's in the trial, they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. This is where David was. Listen, not only was David grieving what had happened, but the people around him were making it worse because they were grieving, but they wanted to kill him. The Bible says that David was distressed. That word in the Hebrew means this. He was in a press. Have you ever been in a press? Have you ever feel like life is just pressing you to the point where you feel, another word that describes this is narrow. He was in a narrow place. Another word that describes this Hebrew word is restricted. I don't know if you've ever been there. You've been there where you just feel like no matter what you do, you can't do anything because you feel restricted. Have you ever been there? Oh, I've been there. That's where David was. And the people were bitter. I want to encourage you today, my church family. Bitterness never produces recovery and restoration. I want to say that again. Bitterness never produces recovery and restoration. Only forgiveness can produce recovery and restoration. Let me ask you this. Would killing David bring back their wives and their sons? No. No, it wouldn't. And it's amazing how bitterness can really cloud your decision making. You know, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says, it talks about not allowing a root of bitterness spring up in you. Listen, roots start small, but then they begin to grow. Every root can have a fruit. Every root can have a fruit in your life. The Bible talks about money, the love of money is the root of, of all evil. What happens with that? Read about money. Read about the love of it. Not money. Read about the love of it. How many people have even turned their back on the faith because of that root that grows. That's what happens with bitterness. It starts out small with unforgiveness, and then it begins to grow. And it will, that little root, will begin to affect every area of your life. They've done studies on people who have been bitter, and they said they're more prone to arthritis. Why? It starts out as a root, but the fruit you don't want. See, the root may feel good because you're angry. You feel like you need justice, but you don't want the fruit of the root of bitterness. And as we talk about restoration and recovery, it's the one thing that will stop you from stepping in to what God has for you. It'll stop you from getting the things, your life back, this restoration. How many of you know it's not what happens to me that matters, it's what happens in me that matters? How many of you know you cannot control what happens around you, but you can control what happens in you and your response to what happens. Listen, as a pastor for 30 years, I am telling you the right response is crucial because I've known people who something devastated happened to them, but their response made it worse. Right? Their response made it worse. The right response can change everything. And so now David has a decision to make. How am I going to respond to this? How am I supposed to lead these people who want to stone me? How are we going to get my family back? How are we going to get their family back? He was greatly distressed. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. It says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people were grieved. Watch. But David, but David. Anybody grateful for the butts in the Bible? Come on, someone. I like big Bibles in it. No. Come on. But David, but David. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Then David said to Abtar, the priest, and um, 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 uh, Man, my tongue is not awake this morning. Abimelech, say that again. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. There, it's better. Abimelech's son. He said this. To, he said. He said uh, then David said to Abimelech, the priest, Abimelech's son bring the ephod to me here. And Abathahar brought the ephod to David. Now here's, here's what happens. Listen to this. He has a response. The first thing that we can learn from David here is that he goes to God, not to people. He goes to God. And the Bible says he strengthened himself in the Lord. This word in the Hebrew means this, watch this. It means to grab a hold of. Do you remember when Jacob grabbed a hold of the angel and he says, I will not let you go until you bless me? Man, what determination. I love that. And the Bible says that this is what David is doing in the midst of devastation. He's not going to people. Here's what he does. He grabs a hold of God. My church family, I just want to say this to us this morning. God's not letting go of you, but oftentimes we let go of God. I want to say that again. God never lets go of us. God believes in us, but it's us that stop believing in him. And in these times, you can take a step back and go, that's it. I quit. But that's not what David did. He actually latched on. His grip got tighter in the times of devastation. I'm always amazed as a pastor, when I talk to people and they'll tell me, I'll see him in the grocery store. I say, I haven't seen you in church. What's going on? Oh, Pastor Phil, I'm in the midst of devastation, you don't understand what's happened. I'm just thinking, yeah, that's the best thing to do, right? In the midst of devastation, let go of God. Stop coming to church. Stop praying. Is that, is that the best thing we can do? God is our only help. God is our strength in times of need. Why would we let go of him? And all along, he's there. All along, he's never giving up on us. But we've got to make that decision to grab a hold of him. This word strengthen means this, to cleave to the Lord for strength. Where are you going to find your strength? Are you going to find it with a guy named Jim Bean? Are you going to find it with a guy named Jack Daniels? Come on, somebody. Are you going to find it? Uh, where are you going to find it? Are you going to find it with some with some drugs? Are you going to find it with some people you shouldn't be around? Or are you going to get with the Lord and find your strength in the Lord? Because he's the one that can help you. This word strength means to restore strength, to make strong. Listen to this. To be resolute, to be firm, to repair, to prevail. To prevail. Oftentimes, we want to prevail in the things that we see in the world around us. But what I've learned from many of the men in Scripture is they prevailed with God first before they prevailed with man. See, we want to prevail with man first. And here's what I've noticed. I want favor with man. I want favor with man. But favor with man comes from having favor with God first. Can I hear a good amen today? See, when you become a God pleaser, you may lose people because you can't please them, but when you become a God pleaser, and His favor is upon you, He will give you with favor with the right people that you need in order to connect you with your destiny. Can I hear a good amen? amen. You know, um, for those of you that don't know, uh, we're starting to record now because our our, our, our services are going to be broadcasted live. on on DirecTV. Well, they won't be live, but they'll be recorded, and it's it's a full show, all this stuff, and I was telling somebody, I, I didn't dream of this when I was a little kid. I didn't dream of being on. I never dreamt of any of this stuff. It just fell on in our laps because I was just serving some guy who had a TV network. He asked me to be on with some pastors, and I, he, you know, would you just help us? Would you come on? Sure, I'll come on. Been on a couple times, and then he called me after one of the sessions. And he says, I want you to be on by yourself because we were on with three other pastors. He said, I'd like to have you in my studio. And then, hey, what would you think about Passion Life Church having, you know, a TV show on direct TV through our network, all of these things. My church family, listen, you know what that is? That's favor with God first and then favor with man. And then he's texting. He's the the head of a network. I mean, I'm just like, but here's what I'm saying is that I don't need favor with the wrong people. I need favor with the right people. And sometimes we're so concerned about what people think and they're not even the right people for your life. And so if you'll have favor with God and you'll find strength and encourage yourself in him, he will put the right people in your path. Listen, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. I wish I could tell you that there are going to be people around you that are going to encourage you all the time. We're going to do our best here at Passion Life Church through life groups and through different things to encourage your life. But I just want to tell you, there's going to be days where there's no one going to be around you, and you are going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord. Can I hear a better amen today? You're going to have to take responsibility to, yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. This word strength means to tie together. In other words, what David was doing was he was holding on to God so much where he was tying himself, binding himself together. But let me say it this way. What David chose to do right here in these moments is David chose to be recovered. He chose to be recovered. He chose to go to God. I want to give you three things today that I see in David's life. Here's number one. David's life shows us that restoration happens internally before it happens externally. David knew the first person God wants to restore is me. The first person God wants to make healthy is me. The first person God wants to heal is me. So I'm gonna tell you something. Last week we talked about God restoring, you're going to see stuff here that David's going to get his stuff back. Last week we talked about the enemy has to uh, restore back to you sevenfold what he's taken. All of those things, all great. But here's what I, I want to stop for a moment and say. What good is it if God restores things in your life and you get your stuff back, but you're not healthy enough to be able to steward what he gives you? Did you get that? See, if you're not healthy, let's just say God has some people in your life he wants to bring into your life that are very healthy. If you're not healthy, when you get into a healthy situation, you make it unhealthy. You take you wherever you are. Right? In pastoring for so many years, I watch people come to our church, they exit the church, and oftentimes when they come, as soon as they start talking to me about another church and how mad they are about another church, all that stuff, listen, I just kind of look at them and go, well, you won't be here long because you take you wherever you are. In my church family, can I just, I'm going to be honest with you, after you've been about four churches and none of them are good enough for you, I'm going to tell you something, it's not the church. It's not the church. Maybe you're a little unhealthy. Maybe you're a little, as Aerosmith says, JJJ J, J, jaded. Right? So, this part right here is restoration has to happen internally before it happens externally. I'm going to tell you what many people's perspective is. Are you ready? Many people's perspective is the internal will change, the external will, incha- will change my internal. It doesn't work that way because you're not responsible for the external world. We're, we're not, I can't, there's certain things I just can't change. Isn't it funny how we put our efforts into things that we can't change but yet the one thing we can control is what happens on the inside of us internally. Internally, I can invest. Internally, I can read the word. Internally, I can pray. Come on, internally, I can choose to forgive. I can't choose whether the other person forgives me. But you know what? That's not going to stop me in my internal world from forgiving them. And sometimes they won't, they won't say it. Sometimes you don't get closure. But you know what? I can have closure in here. I can have closure with my God. That's what I can control. So here's my my question, my church family. Wouldn't it be a, a wise investment? Wouldn't it behoove us to invest more internally than we do externally? I'm amazed at how people, when things are going crazy in their life externally, I'm like, why would you put your effort into running to this person, going over here, going over there? Why don't you get before the Lord like David did, encourage yourself and build up internally and watch what God will do. Our internal changes first then the external. You know, as Christians, we're supposed to live inside out. Inside out, not outside in, inside out. The Bible says you are in the world, but you're not of the world. We're in it. How many of you know? And it's happening. And we're in it, but you're not of it. But you can act like you're in it. You can act like the people that are in it. Or you can act like a person who's strong on the inside, who has the resurrection power of God on the inside of you. And you can be a light, and you can be salt, but that only comes from having a a, a strong spirit. My church family, you are a spirit. You have a soul and then you live in a body. The body is the temple. So your spirit is the real you. It's the real you. It's, some translation says it's your heart. Watch this. So out of your, the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So the things, I don't even, listen, I'm not about judging people, but the Bible says this, we will know them by, our, by their fruit, Right? And oftentimes when you see the fruit, then you can locate the root. That's counseling, but that's for another day. But here's what, I'm, what, here's what I'm telling you. Listen to how people talk. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of heart, watch, they're sharing with you their internal world through their mouth. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of your life. If there are issues in your life, they go much deeper than the surface. You have to look inside your heart and ask this question, how did it get in there? Sometimes it's because of hurt. Sometimes it's because of other things that have happened in your house. But my church family, let me just tell you, before we go any further, God wants us healthy. God can heal us from anything that's happened, from any person that can hurt you. But we've got to make a decision to say, yes, I will forgive them. God, heal my heart. Listen, David is taking responsibility for his internal world. You can take responsibility for that. Somebody I was talking with was talking about how they didn't know. They was like, "You just don't know what people have done to me. You don't know, you don't understand. And I don't. but I'm going to tell you this is my response all the time. But you don't know what they did to Jesus. I know what you did to what did to you. there's hurt. but they killed him. They beat him. They beat him with clubs. They took his beard out with their hands and pulled it out. And I, I'm saying that not to be insensitive, but what I am saying to you is that what they did to him is, will always be greater than what somebody has done to you. And yet the son of God on the cross says, forgive them for they know not what they do. And sometimes we won't forgive because we need to be reminded of how much he forgave us and he forgave you of everything. I told this person, I said, when they said, well, you don't know what this person did to me. I said, also, let's just be honest. We don't know what you've done to other people. Because if I were to get your sins and put it up on this screen right here, uh, now we're going to talk. Let's have a comparison game. Because I wonder how many people have you hurt. I've hurt people, not intentionally, but I have. So what am I saying? I can just take responsibility for my internal world and say, God, forgive me. And here's where it changes first, because when it changes here first, then you see your external world differently. Sometimes God doesn't change the situation. Sometimes he changes you. And then what happens is you change the way you see the situation. Does that make sense? There are many people in my life that have hurt me, and I forgive them because I know I have to. It's, It's a command. I know I have to forgive them. But after a while, when I actually did find out what happened to them and their devastation, I actually had compassion for them. And so it changed the way that I saw them. Can I hear a good amen today? So restoration happens internally first, then it happens externally, right? And so the reality of it is, is that we have to be healthy. Can I just say this before I go to the next point. Unhealth is contagious. Being healthy is contagious. Do you know that healthy things grow? Unhealthy things don't. And if you're unhealthy, that can be contagious. But health is contagious. My church family, faith is contagious. Doubt is contagious. Courage is contagious. And so in order for me to have a healthy family, i 've got to let God work internally in me first, not my wife and go, well, it's her fault now, you know oh you man know, man, my kids, are you just all my kids? No, what about you? Because it starts with allow God doing a deep work in me. This is where david's at, and David realized here's number two that in significant seasons it requires significant seeking, First Samuel chapter thirty verse seven, it says this then David said to Ablathar the priest Ab- uh, uh, and- Can somebody help me with that name? You can't pronounce it either, right? Abimelech. All right, there we go. 1 Samuel 30, verse 7. I went to Bible college, and they didn't teach me how to say these names. I want my money back. Come on, somebody. 1 Samuel 30, verse 7 says, Then David sent to Abhar, the priest, Abimelech's son, Please bring me the ephod here. And Abhar brought the ephod to David. Listen. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? This ephod was something that the priests wore. It was a garment that they put over them because the priests represented the people to God in the Old Testament. Now, you and I, we don't need a physical priest because we have a high priest. His name is Jesus you can go straight to him but what this represents was David was putting this on it was almost like saying he went into his prayer closet he he was going right to to the Lord right now listen it's interesting that David's asking for the ephod he's not asking for the sword he didn't say where's Goliath's sword where's Goliath's sword I killed Goliath I'm going to go attack these people no listen David goes straight into prayer because he's looking for the strategy that God has for this. I'm going to tell you something. My favorite song right now is is Elevation's, He's Never Lost a Battle. I, I, I put that on over. God has never lost a battle. But that song frustrates me because I've lost battles. And God is with me. It's going to be a little deep. I know we're not into the deep in this series, but we are going to go. But I've lost battles. And I'm going to tell you, it is true. God has never lost battles, but I have lost battles. You know why I have lost battles? Because I didn't take on the strategy that God told me. I just went and did my own thing. It doesn't mean that God is not an overcomer. Oh, he is. But what David is doing, he's taking a moment. He knows that God is for him. He knows that God is with him, even in the middle of devastation. But this is what he's praying. He's like, God, how do you want me to handle this? Because there's times where the Bible says, sit still and know that he's God. There are, There's some times where they don't, you don't need to do anything and God's going to do something. You just have to believe. But then there's other times where God told his children, you need to walk around the walls seven times. Why? Walk around and don't say anything, right? That was the strategy. And God has a strategy for where you're at. But I love that David is saying this. He's saying, God, do you want me in this moment to pursue them. I don't want to make a a wrong decision out of bitterness. I want to make a decision out of a clean heart, a healthy heart. But I want my decision, even in this devastation, to honor you. Listen to the question. Do you want me to pursue? That word means aim. Do you know that it's possible to have bitterness in your heart? and pursue the wrong thing? Why? Because your vision is clouded? Do you know when you pursue something, it takes energy? It takes time? And some of us, we just think it's a good idea. How many of you know not every good idea is a God idea? And why this is important? Because some of us are pursuing things, and we're tired, and we're exhausted, and God's like, I never asked you to pursue that. See, vengeance, the Bible doesn't say vengeance is wrong. The Bible just says vengeance is his. And some of us in this whole battle, we need to understand what does God want me to do? And David's like, hey, God, do you want me to pursue them? So this is what he did. Watch. David prioritized prayer before he pursued. I want to say that again. David prioritized, give me that e-thought, right? I'm going to prioritize prayer before I pursue because in prayer, God can show me what to pursue. God can show me how I don't have to waste time. I don't have to waste energy. Can I hear a good amen today? And so here's the reality. Look Look at the progression. Pursue, overtake, recover all. Pursue, overtake, recover all watch so when i pursue the things that god wants me to pursue watch i can overcome i can overcome and recover all but when i'm pursuing things that is not inspired by god i can be pursuing and then i could be overtaken why because i'm pursuing things that he doesn't want me to pursue i wish i would have learned this in my 20s instead of asking certain people out on dates i should have prayed but I'm like, God, look at her. You made her. I'm just admiring your creation. You said, and I had a scripture, be fruitful and multiply. After you're married, come on, somebody. Man, I went. And I went and I pursued. And I got my heart handed back to me on a platter. Cut up. Oftentimes I didn't pray. I tell everybody all the time, especially single people, if I would have known that my wife, the person who God had for me, if I would have known it was going to be this good, I never would have dated anybody else. Can I just say it in spiritual terms? If I just would have followed God, I would have had a lot of less heartache because I was pursuing things that he never asked me to pursue, so I was being overtaken instead of overcoming This is a mature church. I know, I know I have the victory. I know. But let me ask you this what does God want you to do? Because sometimes it's plant a seed, sometimes it's be still. You have to, here's, here's the thing you've got to flow with Him. And I love that David is doing that. My church family, prayer should determine what we should pursue. And I don't want to pursue something because I'm bitter. Listen, I don't want to pursue something out of my revenge. And he had every right. They took his family. Man, this is big. But he prioritized prayer. Here's the last one for today. Here's what you need to know about restoration. Listen to what God's going to tell David. Here's number three. God backs his promise of recovery and restoration with a definitely. Everybody say definitely. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. It says, And he answered him. So David's praying. He's going to God. He's strengthening himself, and then he goes like this. He says, do you want me to pursue them? Do you want me to overtake them? God answers back. Aren't you grateful that God answers us back, that he doesn't just leave us? Listen to what God says. I love this. This is the warrior God that we serve. He says this, David, you shall pursue them, surely overtake them. Watch this. And without fail, you will recover all. I want to say that again. Without fail, you will recover all. I looked up that word, without fail, because I was like, man, that's good. The Holy Spirit's highlighting that. It means this, without fail, you shall absolutely, with no exceptions, definitely recover all, David. Why is this important? Because as we talk about this promise of restoration, for some of us, we're still a little skeptical. I don't know about this whole restoration thing. I'm so glad you came to church today because it's not only a promise, it's a promise with a definitely attached to it that he told David, you're going to pursue, you're going to win, and you're going to get back everything that the enemy took from you. I thought I'd get a better round of applause than I got. See, I think for some of us, what happens is we know the scripture. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we look at our life and we go, well, he didn't kill me. He didn't destroy me. Yeah, but he's stealing from you. Did you hear what I just said? Thank God, none of David's family were hurt. None of the kids were hurt. None of the wives were hurt. But the devil did steal. David goes back. It's interesting. If you read the story, you can read it later. He's on his way to find the Amalekites. It turns out that they meet a young boy, right? It's it's amazing how God can put you at the right place at the right time. They meet a young Egyptian slave while they were walking. And he had been left behind by the Amalekites because he was sick. So he was serving them. He was an Egyptian slave, but he was serving now the Amalekites. And the Bible says that as David and his army was walking, they just saw this boy. And this boy began to talk to them about what had just happened. Yeah, we just raided. You know, he began to tell the story. And then David says, okay, I will give you food. I will give you water because he was starving. He was sick. So David gave him food, gave him water. And the young boy goes, I will tell you exactly where the enemy is. I want you to hear this, my church family, because David goes. He has an incredible, incredible victory. He gets back everything that the enemy stole. But that's not all he got back. The Bible says that David took the Amalekites' cattle. Not only did David get back what he got, he got more. The enemy had to let go of other things as well. God always restores more than you had before. And there are some things I feel like the enemy tries to take away from us. But I'm telling you today that he has to let go of what's ours in Jesus' name. He has to let go. what he's taken and not only does he have to let go but i'm just telling you this we are coming for more territory because for too long he has held strongholds in our communities and we've allowed him because some of us have just been so devastated with hurt and pain but watch out when we get healed watch out when our internal world begins to get healthy and we begin to hear from god because we're coming and we're going to say that he, has sto- he, he who has stole is not going to steal anymore. Not only does he have to repay back, but here's what else he has to do. He has to let go of the strongholds and the things that he has. Because in this church, we're going to be taking territory. We're going to bring God's kingdom to different parts of Marietta, Temecula, Wildemar, Lake Elsinore, and we're going to keep going. So he, we will pursue, we will overtake, and you will recover all. Say that with me. Say, I will pursue, I will overtake, and I will recover all. Are you ready for this scripture? I'm going to close here. 1 Samuel 30, verse 19. In everything that happened, the Bible says, nothing of theirs was lacking great or small in the midst of everything that happened the Bible says God took care of everything and that they didn't have to live like they were lacking they didn't have to live like they were limited because they had a devastation in their life my church family this is the same God that we serve And some of us need to stop crying over spilled milk. God wants to give you a freaking cow. Our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And it's all his. Yeah, but she broke up with me. She left me. I know. But there's millions more. There's more fish in the sea. And I pray that God will open up your eyes. Pastor Phil I had to claim bankruptcy. Every, I know, but he owns the, thaddle, the, the cattle on a thousand hills. He walks on streets of gold. God can restore everything and more. This is why we have to move forward. This is why we have to forgive. Because God wants to do more in your life. But you can hold on to something little and something petty. But you can't be mighty and petty at the same time. And what I've seen, hurt, pain God has always done more in my life but I have to let it go and I have to hold on to him I'm not going to miss my future because of what someone has done to me because God has done more for me than anyone could ever do for me come on can you give him a good round of applause would you stand together today pursue overtake recover all pursue Overtake, recover all. Would you bow your heads? I wonder what you're pursuing today. I wonder where you're putting your energy today. I wonder if God is guiding you or your feelings are guiding you. See, what I want today is I want you to step into restoration and recovery. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to let God define that recovery. But I will tell you this it includes health for your body, it includes finances, it includes restoration of opportunities. Amen. Your peace back, your joy back. I pray that if you've lost joy, I pray that you are so joyful that you're annoying to people. I do. I pray that you're so peaceful that when the storms of life, people are just like, hey, what's going on with you? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.